I want to look at a subject this morning that really is a challenging subject for Christians and people in general, and that is sometimes good people go through challenging things. They go through problems. They go through tribulation, trials. And I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about some lessons that I think we can learn from pain and suffering and trials, tribulations that we may go through. Judges chapter 10, verse number 14 will be our first scripture that we look at this morning. It says, Go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee, this day. And they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. You know, a lot of times it's a natural reaction when bad things are happening that we want to look at ourselves, and, and in this case, these people really had sinned, and we want to look at ourselves and go, what have I done wrong? What did, what did I do that caused this stuff to be taking place in my life? And in this case, it was real, and I think we need to honestly analyze. Maybe we are doing things that are creating situations that are creating chaos in our life and problems and tribulations and and uh, challenging things that happen to us, but that's not always the case. John chapter 16, there's another uh, scripture here, verse number 32 says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, one of the things Jesus has said will happen to us, if you live in this world, you're going to experience tribulation. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have difficulties. God has never promised that you would go through life and never have a problem. He's never promised that. And not only that, if you really think about the essence of Christianity, God didn't promise that to Christ. Christ went to the cross, went through tribulation. Our view a lot of times of what's good and bad is, is a human view. It's a human perspective of what's good and bad. When Christ went to the cross, most of us would look at that and go, what a tragedy, an innocent man died. But from God's view, what a blessing. And from a spiritual view for us, if we can look at it through spiritual minds, what a blessing that he died for our sins, that an innocent lamb went to the cross of Calvary. But he did, God never promised Christ would never go through bad things. We get in a habit a lot of times as Christian people thinking that, you know, the good thing that happens to me, I found a new car, I got a new piano, I found a house. Oh, God is blessing. And it's a pretty shallow Christian view when we start thinking that only good stuff happens and we give God praise to God, we give praise to God for good things that are happening and not recognize that there's lessons to be learned in tribulation that he's never even promised us all good stuff and not bad stuff. We live in this world. And if you live in this world, you're going to have tribulations. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In Christ, we have peace. He helps us walk through tribulations and difficulties. Acts chapter 14, verse number 21. And when they had preached the gospel in that city they, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. You know what the early disciples recognized? That for the kingdom of God to take place, we're going to do that through a lot of tribulation. We're going to go through some hard times, through some difficult times to accomplish that. 
And I don't think that's any different today. It may be different in, in scope maybe today. But if we're going to have a congregation here at College Park, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be trying. It's going to be difficult at times. It's going to require work. It's going to require effort. There's going to be challenges for us to have to go through. And we need to expect that up front. If we, it, and to some degree or another, if we're raising children, we need to teach our children that, you know, life comes with its difficulties and its challenges and its pain and its suffering and its sorrow. And Christ helps us work through that. Christ gives us answers on how to deal with it. But the reality is difficult things are going to happen. We have to work hard. We have to stay faithful. We have to keep working. We have to keep one foot in front of another. We have to keep plotting. And Christ helps us through that. But the reality is challenging things are going to take place. And Christ has never promised it any other way. You know, there was a lesson given several years ago. He came down to this part of the country and preached that lesson. But I don't know about you all, but I have top ten sermons in my brain that just kind of stay as top ten sermons. Now, there may be a hundred top ten sermons, but they're, they're top ten sermons. But one of those top ten sermons was Mike Minson came to this part of the country and he preached a, a story about, or preached the story that's found in Scripture about Joseph. And he talked about there's really four things, four reasons why bad things happen to good people. And I'm going to give you a very small snippet of that, but that sermon's on video somewhere or recording somewhere. I'd encourage you to hear that sermon. Very good expository teaching of going through the life of Joseph and seeing God's hand working through Joseph in these ways. But here were his four points in that sermon. Our decisions sometimes cause us to go through bad things. It's not always our decisions, but our decisions sometimes cause us to go through bad things. We can look at a story in John chapter 9. There was an individual that was born blind. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth... And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now I want to analyze these verses for just a moment. Because they had the same thought we have. They have the same thought a lot of times human beings have is, I've got something bad happen to me. This guy lost his sight or was born without sight. And he says, and the people around him are going, who sinned? Somebody had to have sinned. This is a problem. Someone sinned. This guy doesn't have sight. And Jesus answered and said, Master, or they asked, who did sin, this man or his parents? And Jesus answered and said, neither had this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You know, we're not God. We do not understand from our perspective everything God sees, everything God wants. We put everything in a humanistic or a human type perspective and we're going, who sinned? Somebody had to have sinned. There's a problem here. Somebody sinned. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes our decisions do cause bad things. But sometimes it's not our decisions at all. You could experience bad things. You may be today going through an illness or a disease that has nothing to do with, your with, with it being your fault. You may be experiencing challenges or difficulties or whatever that has nothing to do with it being your fault. 
Small children may be in a home where mom and dad's gone through a divorce and bad things could have happened in that home, and meaning a home exploded in a lot of ways. Horrendous things that had nothing to do with the children being at fault. The children didn't do anything wrong. Sometimes bad stuff can happen to you that's not because it's your decision. Sometimes things happen to you for other reasons. Luke 15 and verse number 21, the story of the prodigal son. The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Now, when we honestly look at it and we have sinned, and it's caused us a problem, we need to be like the prodigal son and recognize and take responsibility for it. So it's an honest question to say, have I done something that's created this situation, whatever that is? We ought to be honest enough to look at our lives and say, is it something that I've done? But the reality is we need to also recognize that it's possible that something happens to us and it's not us that did it. Now, our human side of us always likes to blame other people, so we want to be fighting that because it's natural for human beings to go, it's got somebody else's fault. Somebody else did this. It couldn't be my fault, right? I'm, I'm I, impossible for me to have made a mistake. We need to be careful. It could be a decision that we made that created a scenario that bad things happen to good people, but that doesn't mean it has to be that way. In Mike Minson's sermon... He talked about other people's decisions sometimes affect us. That's what I was talking about. Moms and dads can make a decision to go through a divorce and bad things happen to the kids. It's not the kid's fault. Somebody else made that decision. I may have uh, folks that I love dearly that may make bad decisions in their life, and that creates problems. It creates challenges in my life. But it's not decisions that I would have made or that I did make for them. Sometimes decisions other people make also can create challenges for us. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 19. For this is thankworthy if a man of conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully what glory is if when you're buffeted for your faults that you take it patiently but if when you do well and suffer for it you take it patiently this is acceptable to God for even hereunto were you called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps and let's just take the overarching the large principle here first of all Christ died on the cross not because of anything he had done but because what others had done so if ever there's an example of the fact that somebody died for the sins of others through, through no fault of his own it would have been Jesus Christ himself the perfect example. But let's look at the smaller things that are talked about. He said, if I suffer wrong for something I did, and I take it patiently, I go, well, you know, forgive me, I made a mistake. You know, everybody be patient with me. We kind of have a merciful attitude. But it's when we do right and we suffer that, that we have a challenge a lot of times. And the reality is we need to, even in those type situations, it may be something that we did not even do. And yet we suffer for it or we go through challenges or difficulties for it that we take it patiently in that case. God wants us to take it patiently. This is acceptable to God. Luke chapter 15, back to the prodigal son again. Think about this for a moment. The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. I want you to for a moment pause and we talk about the prodigal son. He sinned, he took responsibility for it, but I want you to change perspective for a moment, look at it from the dad's perspective. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't choose to go waste my substance on riotous living. 
But yet he experienced a lot of pain and agony over that because his child made a decision that he didn't make. And it created a lot of pain in his life because of the decisions of other people. A third reason Mike Minson put it in a sermon that, that bad things happen to good people is time and chance. Sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's the bounce of the ball. It's playing a football game and the ball hits the ground and goes to the other team. Things happen. Time and chance happens. And guess what? Sometimes time and chance happens. We're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe we have a car accident or something because we're at an intersection at the wrong time. Nobody's driving drunk, nobody's speeding, no whatever. We're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Something bad happened. Time and chance happened. Lightning struck. A, a, a tree limb fell down. Our governor of the state of Texas was killed because he, not killed, he was injured because he was walking down the street and a limb broke and fell on him and it broke his back and he's been in a wheelchair ever since. Time and chance happens, okay? And the same thing is true for us today. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 11 says, I returned, saw unto the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. You know, sometimes things happen to us because it's the bounce of the ball. We're in the right place at the right time, the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes things happen to us just by time and chance. But the fourth thing, and I want to spend just a moment on this, Mike Minson had in a sermon with the story of Joseph was that God's providence can also be involved in the things of our life. And part of the challenges here is sometimes it's hard to know when is it time and chance and when is it God's providence? When is it to some degree or another God's providence may even uh, weigh into our decisions and other people's decisions and all those things. I don't have the mind of God, but I do know this. I want to stay within God's providential care. I want his providence, his will to play out in my life. And I want to stay within the center of his will. I want to pray that I stay within the center of his will. That even if my decisions are such that are fighting against that, that I will lean into his will, whatever that is, and stay within his providential care. I hope that if time and chance happens, that it happens within his ultimate providential care. I trust the large picture. God sees it all. God has the picture of, of the long term of eternity. I have this much of a picture. I pray for his providential care that I stay within that to the best of my ability. That does not mean that everything that happens, God causes. But I can tell you this, everything that, God hap or everything that happens, God will allow to happen. He is the ultimate God. He is God, we're not. Okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 5, And he, ye have for, uh, forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You know, there are times that we are being chastened by God. And that's the reason why I said very early, we ought to honestly look at ourselves first and say, is this something that's happening because of bad decisions I'm making? Because it may be chastening of the Lord. But it may not be. 
And if it's honestly not something I'm doing and it's created by other folks, etc., then I patiently endure those things. It may be time and chance. I patiently endure those things. But I want to stay within the center of God's will. Here's some lessons I think we can learn from this concept, though. Because bad things can happen, and they can happen for different reasons. But number one, I think a lesson we can learn when bad things happen is the valued treasure of heaven. When you're going through tribulation, when you're going through persecution, when you're going through trials, when you're going through difficulties, it helps remind us that there's coming a time when we will not have to suffer any longer. The valued treasure of heaven. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 4 says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. There is a promise of heaven to come. And one of the things we can remind ourselves when we're going through difficult times, challenges, I'm not saying this is easy, guys. It's easier to preach it than it is to live it. I can tell you the reality, though, is we need to pause for a moment and realize there is a time coming when we've been, if you're in Christ, you've been promised heaven to come. Where there'll be no more sorrow or pain or crying. Where we won't have to feel death and separation any longer. And let's remind ourselves of the valued treasure of heaven. Romans chapter 8, verse number 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Skip down, if you would, to verse number 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. There's a lot of pain and a lot of suffering, a lot of challenges. But let's remind ourselves of the fact that there is heaven to come. Verse number 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. I've not laid my eyes on heaven. And I can only look at the English descriptions of what heaven is like, and I think it would probably be difficult, even inspired of God, to put it in a language for my human mind to grasp the wonderful things that are in store. Let's remember there's a treasure, a valuable treasure in heaven. And sometimes when we go through challenging things, we ought to pause and remind ourselves that there is a time coming when we don't have to suffer any longer. Number two, when we go through difficult times, sometimes it's a reminder to us of God's sovereignty. And essentially, in very small terms, is he's God, we're not. That's what we mean by God's sovereignty. If you talk about the sovereignty of a nation, like the United States is a sovereign nation. I don't know if you remember, but several years ago, the United States went into Pakistan and killed Osama bin Laden. And, and, and Pakistan was offended over the fact that the United States had violated their sovereignty. They had gone into their nation without permission and had gone in there and got Osama bin Laden. Apparently, they were concerned more over that than they were that Osama bin Laden lived in their nation but the reality is they were offended over their sovereignty. All, sovereignty in the United States basically means the government decides whether you can sue them or not. Okay? They're the authority. They're the ultimate authority. They're sovereign. And when we think about that in terms of spiritual things, he's God, we're not. And when we go through challenging things, sometimes we need to stop for just a moment and realize he's God, we're not. He sees things from a different perspective than we do. Let's recognize how big is God, how big God is. Let's recognize that for a moment 
He is sovereign. He determines what happens in this world. He allows what he allows. He doesn't allow what he doesn't allow. His ultimate perfect will will be accomplished. He allows sin and death into the world. He could have stopped it in the garden, but he allows his perfect will to take place. And all of the purposes and all the reasons, I'm not able to explain from a human perspective, but he's God. I'm not. And we can pause for a moment when we go through challenging things and recognize the sovereignty of God. He is a sovereign God. Genesis chapter 2 Verse number 8 through verse number 15, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put uh, the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first, Pison. That is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah where there is gold and the gold of that land is good. There is Bedellum and the onyx stone and the name of the second river, Gion. And the same is that which compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidelka. And that is that which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the river Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. You know, God created... The Garden of Eden. God created the world. He created the Garden of Eden. He put man in it. He put Adam and Eve in it. Gave them a job to do. To dress and keep the garden. Now that's what God did. Man sinned. God cast them from the garden. God hid the garden where no one knows where it's at today. But the reality is that wasn't God's original plan. God's original plan was to put man in a perfect place. Man made decisions that created other things. Satan has created sin and death. Man, being a free will moral agent, has made decisions because God allows us to make decisions. Like Wayne talked about yesterday, we're not the animals. We're not the other parts of his creation. We're human beings and God gave, created us with the ability to choose right and wrong, with the ability to choose. He's allowed that to take place. Maybe it's because he wants a creation that chooses to serve him. Maybe he can separate those. He could have created robots. He could have created a mechanical machine to sit and praise him. But how much more those that are praising him have chosen to praise him. He's God. We're not. I don't know all of the reasons why we go through what we go through. But I do know he's a sovereign God. And he controls the ultimate outcome of this thing. And I've got faith in him to do that. Romans chapter 8, verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Skip down to verse number 39 if you would. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's not a thing we could go through that ought to be separating us from the love of God. He is greater than all those things. He is a sovereign God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Maybe one of the reasons we need to recognize His sovereignty is we go through tribulations and we see the comfort of God. We see the blessing of God. And maybe that helps us appreciate Him. That much more when we go through difficulties. 
Another blessing I think we can see in pain and suffering or a lesson we can see in pain and suffering is the lesson of patience. Now, I can tell you I'm not the most patient person in the world, but I, try to, I tell people jokingly, don't pray for patience because sometimes you'll shortly thereafter figure out ways you've got to practice that and work on that. And I can just tell you that's a weakness of mine to deal in a patient sort of way with things. But I can tell you pain and suffering is one of those lessons that will help teach us patience, that we're going through difficult things, endure it. Be patient with it. You know, sometimes that builds confidence in you. It builds confidence in your children when we go through difficult things, challenging things, and we patiently endure it. We see the blessing looking back on it a lot of times. And I can tell you in my life, looking back on my life, I can see God's hand play, his providential care play in my life, sometimes because of difficulties and challenges, because of the patience to have to go through those things. Easier to see that looking back sometimes than it is to see it going forward. But if he's never failed me going back, I've got trust and faith in him going forward. Patience, endurance. Romans chapter 5 Verse number 3 through 5, And knowing only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. One of the blessings we can get from going through challenging times is we can learn patience. And I will tell you very quickly, when you're going through challenging times, again, it's easier to preach it than to live it, but I can tell you that when you're going through these challenging times, pause for a moment and realize that there can be a blessing through this when it's over. And endure it and recognize the patience that it will help us build. Romans chapter 12, verse number 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Patient in tribulations. It will help work patience. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 4, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. And I want you to notice that phrase, in all your patience or in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. He didn't say, I'm thanking you for your patience and faith after the fact, or patience and faith looking forward to it maybe. He's saying, while you were in the tribulation and persecutions, you showed patience. And that's hard for us to do a lot of times, to recognize that we're in the midst of it. We're in the challenging part of it right now, and we have to endure. We have to be patient. We have to see it through, and we can receive a blessing for that. James chapter 5. Take my brethren, the prophets, which have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. The folks that can see their way through it find peace. They find happiness that they've gone through it. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. I can tell you, patience is a challenging thing for us as people, as human beings. It's a challenging thing for us. What, the things we want, we want now. We don't want to patiently wait for something. And sometimes it helps us. We see benefit from, we see value in what it is that we patiently waited for. We invested in this. We put our tears and our sorrow and our energy and our sweat in it and because of the investment in it it means more to us there's blessing in learning patience through difficult times Romans chapter 8 
Verse number 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. See, we're going through suffering now, he's saying, but that doesn't even compare to what will be glorified in us afterwards. Okay? Verse number 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. You know, the apostles went through pain. The disciples went through pain. Christ went through pain and suffering. And somehow we in America today think that if any time we go through anything challenging, it's, oh, I've got to give up. I've got to quit living. I'm going through hard times. And the reality is he never promised us that we wouldn't have hard times. He never promised us that everything was going to be perfect and rosy. Not one time. One other thing I would mention to you that it could be a lesson from pain and suffering is that it's an opportunity for ministry. It's an opportunity to help when folks are going through difficult times. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and he talks about the challenging things they went through. He said, great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I'm filled with comfort. I'm exceeding uh, joyful in all your tribulations. For when we were come to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforted us that were cast down, he comforted us by the coming of Titus. You know, Titus came and ministered to them, and they found comfort in the ministry of others in that process. I probably have shared this with most of you that's in this room, but I was a very young man, had a disease called Guillain-Barre syndrome, and I spent 30 days in a hospital, lost the use of my legs for a period of time. I was in a wheelchair and, and partial use of my arms. And, and I can tell you, I, I was very young, so I, I didn't have a lot of experience previous to that, but I remember to this day people that walked into that hospital room when I, when I had that disease. And I recall those men or families or whatever that came to visit me. They cared. And today it helps me appreciate ministry. It helps me appreciate hospital ministry or visiting a nursing home or visiting different situations that people may be going through difficult times. Sometimes you can help comfort. Sometimes you can help relieve pain by visiting, by caring for people. And those are opportunities. It may be an opportunity for ministry when somebody else is going through a difficult time. First Peter chapter 3, verse number 4, For verily, uh, when we were with you, we told you before that you should suffer tribulations, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity... And that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. You know, when we see folks go through tribulation and they remain faithful, they stay steady. They're, they're, they, they don't lose everything about them in the process of challenges that face them. It encourages the rest of us. To see the steadiness of faith. We see in their faith the challenges that they've gone through and how they've endured those challenges. I tell you, there are some folks that have gone through horrendous things. I mean, compared to if I look over my life and, and I look at lives of others, it doesn't take you very long to go to some places and go, I have been blessed. I've seen the difficulty and the, and the, 
the, the folks, the things these folks have gone through. I've seen their diligence. I've seen their patience. I've seen their faith through these challenging things. And I look at my life and go, I've not faced anything close to that. I've just been blessed in so many different ways. But I'm also blessed by seeing their faith. I'm blessed by seeing their patience. I'm blessed by seeing their steadiness and going through those type of things. Maybe if I did go through those things then, it would encourage me to be steady. Maybe the bad things in our life, maybe the challenges that have come through, I'm not saying that we've not had challenges along the way because I think everybody does and I think Lisa and I have as well, but I think maybe there could be worse things to come. We don't know. But maybe in going, in being prepared for worse things to come, maybe part of what will sustain us is seeing others that have gone through very difficult things. And we saw their faith. We saw their patience. We saw the, the steadiness that they had when they went through these challenging things. And it helps encourage us to do the same thing, to not get down on life and not, make, not think life is over because I'm going through challenges. Challenges happen to all, all of us. Another thing that happens a lot of times in uh, another lesson I think that we can learn from pain and suffering is really our true character and sometimes even our weaknesses are sometimes um, magnified in times of stress. And, and it shows our character a lot of times. Matthew chapter 13 is that parable of the sower said, He that receives seed into stony places the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy received it. Y'all know the story, though. It was stony ground. It couldn't get any deepness of earth. Here it is in verse number 21. Yet hath he no root in himself, but he dureth for a while. For when tribulation persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he's offended. You know, sometimes if we're going through challenging things, it might help us to look at ourselves and realize whether we have any depth or not, whether we have any root or not, whether we were just really the people that we're happy to have obeyed the gospel, but we really don't know the Word of God, or we really don't have any depth in the Word of God. We really haven't, haven't anchored into the Word of God. And what happens is trials and tribulations come. The sun comes out and beats on that, and, and because there's no depth, there's no root, can't withstand it. And they, by and by, he's offended. The person is separated um, because of tribulation. He's on stony ground. He's not on good ground. And it might help us to analyze ourselves in those type of situations. Maybe I'm not strong enough. Maybe there's weakness in my character. Maybe there's uh, tendencies in who I am as a person to recognize that I need to spend more time in the Word of God, that I've gotten offended over something that a trial and tribulation came along, and pretty soon I'm just wanting to chuck it all and get rid of it all because I went through a difficult time. Maybe I'm really on stony ground, and maybe I need to really be looking at myself in that type of a situation as well. Habakkuk the prophet, chapter 3, verse number 17. This verse says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olives shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. 
You know, we have a tendency as human beings to thank God during good times. We, we have a tendency to, to go, God is the God of my salvation when I've been blessed and things are going my way and all that. And then we go through tribulation and we're going, why is this happening? And I just can't believe this is happening. This is just awful. And, we, and what we need to be thinking about is even when the, the stall's empty, even when there's no grain, even when there's no harvest, even when there's no, I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll have joy in my salvation. I didn't say this is easy, folks. I'm just saying that we recognize that he's God. We're not. And that we see his ultimate sovereignty. And we recognize that, that it rains on the just and the unjust. There's a lot of things that take place in these things. And that we've got confidence in him as God. And we pray his will be done. And that we want to lean into the center of his will. We want to be faithful to him. We want to be faithful to his will, good or bad, whatever we go through, we recognize that it will ultimately, we will use it to his good, to his purpose. And may God bless you in your Christian walk. May he help you to open your eyes and see opportunities and blessings even when you're going through very difficult or challenging times.